was a little worried about having the energy for today. Not gonna lie. It's like the noon start. I'm back at nine tomorrow, okay? Hallelujah. Nine to 11, no more of this weirdo stuff. We're back. No nine to 10 hours the last couple of days. Pardon me? Uh, apologize to the people who've been enjoying their nine to 10 hours oh, the last yeah, yeah, couple yeah, of yeah, days. No, yes, I don't apologize to them. They're sick. They're sick. I, uh, I feel bad. I feel bad that I wasn't there for the loyal time slot people. But it's all right. Anyways, Ben Ennis is here. We're going to do... This is going to be the bad hour. This is not the good hour anymore. It's the bad hour because things are bad in the city of Toronto. But yeah, I, I, oh, I went to bed last night and I, I just stared at the ceiling for an hour. I just couldn't focus. I tried to put on another baseball game. I couldn't really get into it. I talked with some friends. Couldn't really shake this feeling of I, I cannot believe what I just watched and yet... It was the most believable outcome in some ways. And so I've, I've said this many times before on the show. It's almost like repetitive at this point, but I know that I'm a contrarian. I know that I'm a person who sometimes, almost annoyingly so, I have to try to tell myself, hey, it's okay that you enjoy this the same way as other people. Hey, it doesn't take anything away from it if other people like it too. Hey, you don't have to zag on takes always. If people like it and you like it, just like it. I hate when there's just a groupthink consensus on an idea that someone either made a mistake or someone did the perfect thing, whatever. I I like to zag in those spots. I do. I just naturally will do that. I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't do that with John Schneider. I can't do that with the Toronto Blue Jays today. I can't do it with, so Cleveland has their, the decision. And I think Toronto now has their own, the decision, which is lifting a red hot Jose Barrios on his Let's call it his home mound. He's never looked so happy. He's never been, he's never looked that happy in Toronto. I'm sorry. Top step, smiling, talking to guys, talking about how his son is from Minnesota with the broadcast team. He feels at home. I talked to Dallas Braden yesterday. I talked to Marco Estrada the day before that. I asked these starting pitchers, hey, how much does it mean that Barrios is from there, that he's pitched there many, many times? They go, yeah, a ton. Hey, what's a good Barrios going to look like? The exact one that we saw yesterday. The exact Jose Barrios. This is a team that all year long was built around what? Starting pitching. Starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. This is a front office that has decided to sink a lot of money into what? Starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. And then you go into complete galaxy brain mode and you do something that the rest of the universe, the nerds, the analytics nerds. I was watching the game with Blake Murphy. He was apoplectic about it. The eye test people, apoplectic about it. There's not, you can't really find a person outside of the Blue Jays organization that agreed with this decision. And I don't even think that, well, I don't even have to say I think because I watched Whit Merrifield react to this thing where he's so incredibly pissed off. Goodbye, Whit. I don't think he'll be back. I think that was a pretty clear indicator of like, hey, I'm not even negotiating with these guys, with these absolute buffoons. I'm out of here. If the whole world disagrees with your decision the problem might be you it might be you and sometimes mob mentality sometimes the majority is right and this decision by the Blue Jays yes we're going to get into the offense we're going to talk about all the other things that plague this team but watching this happen something so egregious as that decision to pull Jose Barrios to me it was just like an extra kick in this fan base's guts It was the extra kick that these fans did not need, that the people who have covered this team did not need, that 
just fans of the sport did not need. And now I'm left here today thinking something's got to change. This can't happen again. Because when I was sitting in my bed and I was laying and staring at the ceiling and thinking, will a Toronto sports team ever reward me for my loyalty again? Will a Toronto sports team ever come through again? I don't want to hear about 2019. It was great. It was a miracle. It was amazing. But will I have this again in my lifetime? Why, why is it always this way? In the famous words of Michael Scott, for me to the Toronto sports teams, why are you the way that you are? Why are you the way that you are? And I thought, wait, I know we're all doing the whole, hey, smart guys are saying this wasn't just John Schneider's decision. Yeah, no duh. But ultimately, he's the pinata who has to wear a lot of this. But I thought, oh, my God, the pandemic year that we all blacked out of our minds. We went, hey, we can't remember this anymore. We can't remember any of this. This was horrible. Baseball in front of no fans. I remembered a man by the name of Matt Shoemaker. And Matt Shoemaker dealing. He was dealing in a playoff baseball game. And then I remembered Charlie Montoyo lifted him in the third inning of a baseball game where he conceded a triple to Robbie Ray immediately for the go-ahead run in another baseball game that was low-scoring, that was tight-knit, and the Blue Jays ended up losing based on that decision. Then I remembered, oh, wait, last year, how did they lose? Oh, lifting is started too early. And now they get, get to do it again this year. And I'm going, you can't have this anymore. This is now three playoff exits that are partially to blame for this idiotic strategy of we are the Galaxy Brain team that is trying to use everything at our disposal and we're pulling, thing, we're pulling our starting pitchers out of the lineup despite the fact that these are the guys that we're sinking the most money into. I'm over it. I'm done with it. It's time for a change. I'm just not optimistic it's going to. Ben Ennis, thank you for sitting through that rant. I just need to get that off my chest before we get into everything else. Good morning. Yeah, Good I afternoon. Was, I was thinking about, like, I was like, you said nobody wanted Yusei Kikuchi to come into the game. I was like, who? Uh, maybe Mrs. Kikuchi. Maybe I don't think she did. The, the, I don't think you she don't did. think? No, I don't think she like, did. You know, uh, if he doesn't come into that game, he doesn't get a postseason appearance. I, I think that's a great stage for him. He's had such a great year. Maybe a nice little way to end his professional baseball season, to, to pitch well against the Twins and outside of the, the fourth inning, he, he acquitted himself quite nicely. Sure. But yeah, other than, other than her, there, there's not a single person. And it's because it's not just, it's not the, de- the decision-making that, hey, Jose Barrios has a career of, of pretty substantial splits between his right-handed mm-hmm. uh, batters that he's faced and the left-handed batters that he's faced. That's, that's true. And is it also true that the Twins have some pretty potent left-handed bats? Yeah. And is there a point in the game, if things are going a certain way, that you might want to go to now, I guess, if Kikuchi's involved, your three lefties that you have in the bullpen, of course. But it's also Yusei Kikuchi, who finished the season with an ERA north of five in September, who had a good season, but like that's in comparison to being one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball last year. The idea that Yusei Kikuchi in a scoreless baseball game that you need to win to extend your season is going to shut down a capable baseball team in the mm-hmm. Minnesota Twins coming out of the bullpen for the first time this season. Like, that's that's the part that gets me, man. That you're trying to, in that spot, get Minnesota to change their lineup complexion? Right. That, yeah, you're, you're like so this? desperate for them to, to yeah. lift a couple of left-handed bats so that the end of the game, your bullpen looks a lot better against uh, Solano 
and Castro than Kirilov and Walner that you're so so obsessed about getting those guys out of the out of the game later in the game that you would sacrifice one of the best pitching performances potentially in Blue Jays postseason history like like Barrios looked that good and that's that's probably too far because he, he wasn't given enough of a sample to 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 prove that that was what was possible yesterday mm-hmm. but this is a guy who across the board looked amazing and like there's there's statistical evidence to back it up too right like Nick Ashburn wrote on sportsnet.ca about how all the velocities on every single pitch he was throwing was up from his season averages yeah dude he looked amazing he was fully confident he was completely in his bag he was cruising through this baseball game and it was funny to see the Minnesota Twins not immediately go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to now go and take Sonny Gray out, who's dealing, and we'll try to make some kind con- Like, of course not. And you're watching these other teams and you're watching these other games and saying, all right, this is all the era of analytics. This is all the era of teams trying to get a little too tricky. The Blue Jays have now done this consistently. They've done it, like I said, three straight playoffs. It's backfired every single time. And so to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and not having any flexibility to me is just beyond infuriating. Like you say Kikuchi is known for being a meticulous preparation guy and you have him up, down, up, down. Then he's throwing hard. Buck Martinez is going, this can't be actually happening here. There's no way that this is actually what they're going to be doing with Barrios in this spot to not have the, you know, this dude with anything in life. It's good to have conviction, right? It's good to believe in, in your principles and what you think is going to determine success. But you have to have some flexibility. You, you have to. It, it just, about, just about everything you do. This isn't, you know, physics or this isn't math where you're following like a set principle of God. This is a human interaction. Yeah. This is a human being that you're dealing with. And for them to just basically put this down onto a spreadsheet and say, nah, we don't care. This is the exact plan that we are going to follow, despite, again, it having not worked for us the two times that we tried to do it before. I just, I don't know how you come back from this and just say, don't worry, these guys are going to make all the decisions and everyone's going to run it back and everything should be fine. And it's it's year eight of kicks at the can here. Gossman was the sixth inning last year, right? Yeah, I know. He was reaching the the limit of... It was it was not early, but like I I agree he should have been allowed to finish that inning. He had had retired a couple of batters, but like to start that inning, he allowed a couple of base hits. Like you could, there was an a way way greater argument to to lift Kevin Gossman mm-hmm. from a postseason game that he was only pushed back into game two because he was dealing with a blister issue. Right? It was mm-hmm. like oh my goodness, there's a possibility Kevin Gossman might not even be available in the postseason. He gets the start. He looks very Kevin Gossman ash in in the. Sixth inning, he starts to not unravel a little bit, but you can start to see, okay, maybe this guy is is not going to throw 110 pitches for us today. And, yeah, Tim Meza had been generally good. You like the matchup against Carlos Santana. It's the fourth inning. Mm-hmm. It was the fourth inning. It's the fourth. You just you gave away your two top prospects to trade for this guy. You gave him a seven-year extension, which, by the way, has an opt-out after three more years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, might actually only be three more years of, of Jose Barrios. But either way, he's been... He's been everything you expected him to be this season. Last mm-hmm. year was a nightmare for him, but this year he's taken the ball every fifth day, which he's, he's he did last year too, and was part of the appeal of, of trading for him as well. But you you sunk so much franchise equity into acquiring him and then signing him to the longest extension of any pitcher that you had in the organization. It's the strength of this team, the team ERA as a whole, but the starting rotation. It's why... 
people were picking this team maybe to go mm-hmm. deep in the postseason is because of the depth of the starting staff could could match up against anybody in Major League Baseball. And it is like I, I spent a lot of time on this topic too on on my show this morning, sure. and it deserves a lot of conversation. But the Blue Jays didn't score any runs. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah we'll they, it was we'll also it was also a, a scoreless game mm-hmm. in the fourth inning, right? Like the possibility exists that he keeps dealing, it remains scoreless, and the Blue Jays, who have not come back from like any deficits at all this season, feel a little bit more confident at the plate that they that they're not facing even a two-run deficit, and that changes the outcome of the uh, of the baseball game. There's just there's no defending it, like Mm-mm. from 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 any any side of the equation. And I just I want to know if we're gonna get some some level of 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 answer and and poor john schneider who is the face of it and ultimately does have technically the last say because he can physically decide not to go to the mound and take the ball from jose barrios it's going to cost him his job if he does that whether it works out or not like the blue jays can't have a guy going rogue that they hired to not go rogue and besides that if he gets fired from the blue jays because he went rogue he's never getting another job again in major league baseball because yeah. that's the job of the manager in 2023 what what a sports ruining moment that is you know yeah, like what like, right. what a just unbelievable sports ruining moment and that's the thing like this this blue jays team I, I would say it all the time about the raptors right last season they were joyless they were a joyless team and there were so few moments of joy with the blue jays this season right starting pitching is great and and they were they were, man. They deserve a lot of credit. They stayed healthy. It was fun watching Bassett. It was fun watching Barrios bounce back. We had some really great Kikuchi moments. Gossman just inspired a ton of confidence in you, like essentially the entire season. It was great having Ryu return and actually find his form. It was great watching the bullpen be able to shut teams down and how this team would win close baseball games over and over and over again. But ultimately, the offense was joyless. They were 25th in baseball at home with their offense, and it was a slog of the season. They fell short in a lot of big spots. They got killed by the division, right? How many games were you trying to get yourself up for the Orioles going, here's a big spot for them. They really got to beat the Orioles. All right. Hey, they got creamed by the Orioles. All right, here comes the Rangers. You got to beat the Rangers. Okay, they get creamed by the Rangers. They limp, they backdoor their way into the playoffs, and everyone's frustrated. And then for this group to decide this is the way that we're going to do things, again, a sports ruining moment where you completely take out the fun of watching your starting pitcher. I... (laughs) Like, I'll just kind of kick this back to you. And, like, I'm, I'm going with the same thing. I just don't know how. I, I don't know how after a season like this there isn't a major change. And I've said this about the Leafs before, and then they've not made a major change. I thought yeah. this with the Raptors, and the only change was lose Fred Van Vliet and gain Dennis Schroeder. And I went, well, that can't be real. And they went, no, yeah. it is. It's totally real. It's exactly what you're doing. Uh, is this what we're just doing here now? Is this just Toronto sports? Is just, hey, doesn't matter how painful it is. Keep it rolling. Keep the keep the trains on the track. If you mean, like, the players, are, a lot of them are going to be different. Like, there well, is they have be to be change. some. Like, yeah, come on. I, th- this is the same thing with the Leafs where they're like, there is change. Tyler Bertuzzi's on the team. It's like, yeah. this is shuffling the deck chairs here. We're talking about, I think one of two things know. needs to happen unequivocally. They need to make a major front office change or they need to make a major change with one of the franchise's core pieces. It's just that... I don't trust, especially after the Varsho trade and after the decision-making of these guys, the allocation of a lot of these prospects. The what? I, I know. The, the, the Varsho trade stands out. The Barrios trade was good, right? Like, you, you can't just... Yeah, it's good until you take him out trade. in the third inning or fourth inning of a baseball game. Like, it's good until you decide that he you're not He was really gonna... good for the first three innings. Yeah. He was good for the yeah. amount of baseball they were allowing him to pitch. Like, yeah. He was really good. Essentially, you traded uh, your top two prospects for a playoff opener. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's and uh, yeah, that's not. Let that me put it this way. Let me put it so this good. way. Let me put it this way. If you had to pick, if you had to pick right now, you want a major change to your front office or your managerial staff, or you want a major change to your roster? Which which are you doing? Or well, the do you second just do one's both? way more tangible. The second one's more tangible. And I think, yeah, I mean, you're probably getting the second one with the first one anyways, right? Like, it's very rare that mm-hmm. a new front office comes in and is like, you know what? The previous guy was doing a great job. Forget it. Like, mm-hmm. keep everything the same, right? No, the second one is, I mean, there, there's just no way, despite the fact that I'm sure Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro are, are surprised to see the lack of offensive production from this group. They thought they would perform better. We had enough of a sample to realize, oh, that was a mistake. We, like, miscalculated here somewhere. They got to figure out how they miscalculated. Part of it is, you know, Matt Chapman, time after time after time, coming up to the plate in RBI opportunities and going one for 13 this season with the bases loaded. Uh, And the one came in the very first at bat he had with the bases loaded. It was a grand slam to start the season. He was 0 for 12 to finish the season with the bases loaded, which is nuts. But, yeah, this, this team didn't hit. And didn't hit enough home runs specifically. Like the runners in scoring position thing actually did start to normalize. If you look at the the numbers to end the season, it was much closer than their their batting average in an overall sense, as opposed to being hugely divergent and hugely low compared to their overall batting average sure. when they got runners in scoring position. That's not what I'm talking about. This team didn't hit enough home runs. Period. Didn't hit enough home runs at home. You gotta figure out why that happened. You gotta figure out if some of these guys that aren't going anywhere and while I think it should be on the table, I do not think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going anywhere. you got to figure out if, if that guy is capable of, of having 30-plus home run power. you got to figure out if George Springer is in severe decline. you got to figure out if Dalton Varsho is going to be a passable offensive player. And the answer to those, if they're no, then, yeah, you really do need to, to look at, at digging deeper into the core and, and finding solutions to those guys, which doesn't appear to be in free agency because free agent market stinks. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's okay. So this is what I'm saying. This is why, to me, it's it's sorry. It's it's the front office. Like some th- something has to change for me in the front office. Like I, I I gotta see Atkins go. You've had enough shots at this, and to me, this was the major question of this this postseason. Was this Blue Jays team built better for the playoffs? Right? Was it built better for the playoffs? What were the the goals of the season? Okay, improve defensively. Got it. They did that. Have a better bullpen. Cool, they got it. Do you think this baseball team was more mature? That was oh, the God. other one. Yeah. So Vladdy gets picked off at second base. It's pretty clear that at this point, you know, he's just he's he's going to make those kinds of mistakes all year. And, and like the image of him waving, like no, 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 no. I it's it. I I got back to the bag. And then I hate the, that too because it's like you should be embarrassed, more yeah. embarrassed in the moment that the embarrassment is delayed a couple of minutes is killer. Like if it's as obvious as like you should have to get off the field and then they review it while you're in the dugout because I don't like delaying. Like hey, because when he did that, I was mm-hmm. like, oh maybe he's right. You know what? Maybe it looked bad, but maybe he got around like and it was definitive that he was picked off. No, they they shouldn't allow that to happen. To me, this front office has been given a in, they were handed an incredible core. They were. This was just like a very good core. There was a massive groundswell of optimism about the Toronto Blue Jays. A lot of people thought that this team was going to be the American League team of the decade. And yeah, some of it's not their fault in the sense of Vladdy. And again, we'll get to the players and we'll get to the bats. But for me, I look at it and go, to make a trade as bad as the Varsho deal was in an all-in competitive year, 
I just don't know how you come back from something like that, especially given that it was what? Like it, it's the one of the turning points of the season that you didn't have any offense from an outfielder and a guy that you wanted to have hit cleanup for you to start the season ends up being your nine hitter who's trying to lay down bunts in big spots and looks as overwhelmed as any hitter has ever looked when he faced 100 this year and especially come postseason time. You got an opportunity to reshape this team and answer the question, could you make them a better play, a playoff team three times over? And each time they ended up coming up short. And each time it was the failing that a casual could basically point out from the outset of it. I, I just don't know where you're supposed to land with the trust. Like, what are you supposed to say? You just said it. Free agency is not, it's, it's not a really great option for Toronto. It, it never has been. It never will be. Especially, like, well, we're even looking at guys like I Kevin Kiermaier. that's not fair that it hasn't Okay, been. sure, like, man. When they, have, was yes, when they have and, the most amount of money and they can give the extra year like they did with Springer and they did with Bassett and they did with Hunjin Ryu, they can do it. Yes. And Gossman. Yes. But it's not the way that this group has ever built, like, teams historically. This is not a, an organization that's just going to be able to, like, bring in a ton of free agents and completely change the, the complexion of the organization next year. Especially with the Bo and Vlad contracts coming up and the fact that they've already paid Gossman and they've already paid Springer, right? Like, you think that they're going to all of a sudden open up the purse strings and say, yeah, yeah, well, have at it. they already did. I mean, they're paying in a yeah. luxury tax. I mean, and also, like I said, the the free agent market, it's not, thin. It's, it's not thin. flush with, with difference makers. There's 60 million bucks coming off the books sure. at the end of this season. Except so for you got to replace be, your center are, fielder. You got to replace your third baseman, right? Like, yeah. you got to go, you oh, got to yeah. find a new DH. There's you got to get another starter, despite the fact that four guys are coming back, and that's yep. not including Alec Manoa. You yep. can't count on Alec Manoa for anything. You, you definitely need another starter. Maybe just, Jordan Hicks. You got to bring like more bullpen pieces back. Yep. Yeah. So Maybe do you trust him to make another trade? I don't think you're going into a season where you're. As much as I like David Schneider, I don't think like no, you come can on. count on David Schneider and Kevin Biggio as your starting second baseman. No, there's a lot of holes on this. Yeah, team. that's what I'm saying. Do you trust them to plug all those holes? It's hard to right now. Um, it's it it is. I I don't disagree at all. I think the the and it, it I don't know if I want to put this season in conversation with the previous season because they they went 91 wins and took some chances on guys that paid off handsomely in 2021, right? Like Marcus Semyon, what a move. Robbie Ray acquiring mm -hmm. him for nothing, turning him into the American League Cy Young Award winner. They finished one game shy of the postseason under very trying circumstances where they're all over the place playing home games. Last year, they have an extra win than that. They end up with, with 92 wins, which is still disappointing for a team that wants to win a division. They did not win a division, but they were the top wild card team. That was a team that was exciting and fun and had good starting pitching, but you're right to point out that many casuals were calling for them to get more swing and miss out of the bullpen. They didn't at the deadline. They got Whit Merrifield, who people laughed at and was a contributor down the stretch and into the postseason and had a uh, a big impact on this season as well, but they didn't get swing and miss, and it cost them in the postseason um, when you know, they had Tim Mesa try and mopping up for Kevin Gossman and and the others that followed in the bullpen that season. It's I I was of the belief that if the Blue Jays missed the playoffs, that would be such a it would be a disaster of such magnitude that you'd have to make a move in the front office. And just like the, the Leafs winning one round of the postseason mm. then going out in no. five games in the second round, it's like, okay, you made the you made the playoffs. You won a playoff round if you're the Leafs. Like, it really shouldn't change the calculus all that much if you get into the playoffs, score one run, and win no games. That's what I'm saying. You didn't win any 
games. You were in the wild card. You only won 89 games this year. It was kind of a miracle that you actually even got into the playoffs to begin with. And you are undoubtedly right now the third best team in your division. So it's like you're handed all these things. You had all the money. You had the farm system. You had the two young stars. And what have you done with it? A couple of years later, you're third in the division with the two teams behind you being the Yankees and the Red Sox, like the yeah. the possible quickest turnaround teams that you could have in all of baseball after bad years. The they, Red Sox are done with losing now. They decided to fire their GM because they went, yep, that's enough. We've stress tested our fan base enough, and now we're going to start to try to win again. So they're clearly not going to come in. What, what did they win this year? 76 games? Like, they were awful. Oh, what, I didn't like, see what they finished with. The Yankees yeah. finished with 82. I do know that because yeah. the Yankees did not finish below 500. My, my point here is that... How how much leeway are you supposed to get here? Like, what what is supposed to infi- inspire faith amongst the fan base that this is the right guy in Atkins, that this is the right guy in Schneider to basically be carrying this group forward? So you didn't get more mature, so the manager didn't have an impact on that. And I don't know if he necessarily should, but this is the business. Like, they, they he said, what, you posted that one tweet, what was it, March where he's yeah. saying we got to be more mature, and then Vladdy's yeah, we got to be pu- more accountable. We yeah, we got to be more accountable. We got to do this thing. Yeah, and then boom, Vladdy's getting punched out with the bases loaded, <laughs> you know, uh, or sorry, whatever, two on with uh, Bobachet, the team's best hitter at the plate in a playoff game, and you've got a front office that, when you look at the roster, I don't think they answered the question of was this team better suited to win the playoffs because again, they've now gone over or six in playoff games. They, they went into a season without a cleanup hitter, too, which is something I didn't really think about. I just thought they had good hitters going into the season, which yeah, also tr- ended up not being true. But it's like they went into game one. They're like, Dalton Varsho's our cleanup hitter. Now, whether they truly believed Dalton Varsho was good enough o- offensively to, to hit cleanup for a World Series contender or not, like that's quite a leap and mm-hmm. and couldn't have been plan A for this team. They They thought that the removal of a couple of guys that they thought were part of the lack of attention to detail in Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Teoscar Hernandez would be such a net positive that they could stomach the loss of mm-hmm. what they brought offensively and could not have been more wrong. And you didn't even get the thing you intended to do, which is get a more mature, more attention to detail exactly. baseball team. Like, it maybe got worse. Actually, you know what? I actually haven't gone over the – and it's it's not – everything looking at the outs made on the base pass, but I would like to compare them year over year. I bet you they made more outs on the base pass this year than they did a season ago. I I can tell you 100% they didn't make an out as dumb on the base pass last year as they did yesterday. Like that's, that's on the short list of dumbest plays in the history of the franchise. It's certainly the only time a Blue Jays player has ever been picked off second base in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. It's insane, man. Yeah, like, no. that, that's the part. Like, you can talk about the Barrios getting lifted in the fourth inning, having a, a career outing all you want, and I'm here to, 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 to get mad at that part. The Vladdy on second base and how Bovichet must feel grinding his way to a full count against one of the league's best pitchers, having an opportunity to, to have a career, not defining moment because it's early in the playoffs, and he expects, I'm sure, to have many more opportunities, but a moment that will maybe start an incredible postseason career for him, have it stolen away because some guy's not paying attention is it's uh, unforgivable only starts to scratch the surface of, of what that was. It, it was it was something I've never seen yeah. before in all my watching of baseball. How stupid mm-hmm. that play was. Yeah. The the Vladdy getting picked off to me 
it, it just it only gets overshadowed by that decision, right? Because everyone in the moment was so mad, and they were still seeing red from the decision to live. But it's the did. more tangible. They yeah, couldn't create offense, no, and, I, and they threw buddy, away their one opportunity to score. I, I agree. I, I completely agree. I think this 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 season has been a pretty clear turning point in terms of the way that the fan base is going to view Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Hundred percent. He was the baby of the organization he was you know i use the term son right where i go like who's my son is in my favorite player i root for like they're my son and we had to make rules with vladimir Guerrero jr when he first came up with the blue jays was like you jokingly amongst people like you can't call him son because he's literally the son of the city you know like this is the the baseball son of the city he's unquestionably the jersey that you see most right you took your son to a baseball game what last week yeah, yeah. Birthday yeah, you take him for to a baseball game with a bunch of his friends, and Vladdy's the one where the kids have the jersey of. Yep. And I, I think we're kind of pivoting, uh, unfortunately for him, out of the era of just universal love for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I, I do feel as though, like this isn't even, this isn't even with the Leafs players where people go, well, Austin Matthews is a, you know, he's an MVP, and then he keeps scoring goals, but he doesn't show up as much in the playoffs, and there's some of that like. There's frustration with the Leafs players, right? But they're undeniably, they have three of the best 25 players in all of hockey, right? Yep. And yeah. with, statistically, it's, yeah. there's, there's no case against it. Yeah, and with Vladdy now, it's like you don't even really know what you have as a player. He struggled so immensely. And I keep, <laughs> I keep thinking back to this, but, man, it's like think about Vladdy from – that was the trailer, this is the movie. It's like, oh, yeah, God. you're right. Maybe that was the trailer because it was a small snippet that showed something that you thought might be actually good, but then you watch the movie and you come out of the theater and you're like, yeah, like damn, oh, that was man. really just that. Just, it was just They're a good really trailer. They're really good at cutting the trailers <laughs> yeah, exactly. for these things. Yeah, it was all the best trailer. things were in the trailer. Yeah, they did. They put all the funniest parts in the trailer. That's it. <laughs> he was right. Just it's the, not the way we wanted. Yeah, his perception i think was already starting to shift throughout the course of this regular season he's young that's I, the thing that people get to point to like which is by right. the way i just have a newsflash for everyone all athletes now are young like yeah that's right yeah if, if they if once they pass the yeah. the magical barrier barrier of 30 years old yeah. they're taken behind the shed and they're, they're turned to glue like yeah. it's, it's just the way it works in, yeah. in pro sports i like yeah it, it's like he's he's only 23 it's like yeah he's not playing baseball until he's 46 he's <laughs> 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 not he's not gonna be in the major late Dude. like you know how this works right it's, it's yeah. got okay so transport yourself okay say the 2021 version of the blue jays uh-huh. team makes the playoffs right and he is the best offensive player in the american league and they get to the postseason and he gets picked off in the exact same manner. Like, you can eat that. Uh, it still sucks, and you're still like, I can't believe this guy made that decision. But like, look at who he is, and it's just part of the part of the whole package. And the comparison I kept making today was like Manny Ramirez. Mm-hmm. You know, Manny being Manny was an expression because of the you know mental days off that he would take, even in crucial moments. Like he wasn't always locked in, but he was the most feared right-handed hitter. Of his generation, if Vladdy's like barely a league average hitter playing league average defense at the least leveraged defensive position, mm-hmm. how, how on earth can you take that and he commits egregious errors on the base pass? Like how how is that a thing that that is going to go over well? It's not. And mm-hmm. and this was, I mean, maybe this was the trailer to what's about to to, to happen over the course of his entire career. Like. If if ever there was a season to get the message not to be 
the team that commits errors on the base pass, not to be the player that commits errors on the base pass. It would be the season in which two guys that you were pretty close to got traded out of town for being that guy, went through a whole regular season, didn't impact him, still made egregious mistakes in the most leveraged part of the season, made the most egregious base running mistake. Like, what what am I to think other than you're not capable of, of being anything but that guy? I... <laughs> I, whatever I I'm I'm doing the overreaction of the day. If it's me, and you're just sitting down and you go, okay, what what are the objectives? Like, what are the things that are going to change this year, Bunk? Like, what we're we're consulting you. What would you like to see change? I'm like, I'm keeping Shapiro. I think he's done enough for the stadium. I just trust him in terms of a respected guy around baseball. And I think that he could find another hire that just might be able to be a general manager that has a different outlook on the team and might be able to come in as a strong voice and say... James Click, yeah, who's already there. Sure, whatever. Any, even just the optics of it, I need changed. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need... I'm with you. I'm like, yep, can't have this. So, Shapiro, cool. Pick whatever GM you want, but it's got to be a new GM. The new GM is picking a new manager. Hey, all the stuff that they're saying about John Schneider and how they think he's going to be one of the game's greats and they don't want to hang him out to dry, I don't care. I actually think that John Schneider overall this season was a net negative. Like, if the team was supposed to mature and he had all these vets around and it was his mandate in March and then Vladdy's getting punched out at second base in the postseason... And unfortunately, you're the manager that was there that you're not Kevin Cash, right? Like you don't have the equity. You weren't in a World Series. You were in game two of what was about to be your fourth straight playoff loss as a manager. And I thought you had a season where despite having an extremely deep bullpen, um, yeah, and a a tough roster, you made made some pretty tough decisions this year. I, I thought that... It was a fair criticize, fair season to criticize the manager in a lot of big spots. So those two immediately gone. And then what am I saying? If I'm Shapiro and I'm talking to my new GM, I'm going, hey, one of your things to do is to shop Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Yep. We're, we're looking for a hard pivot on the roster, and we are going to try and turn him into some serious offense on this team, a different piece on this team, a different look for this team. Because Chapman's gone. You mentioned, dude, you want to know something about the free agents this year? I remember I looked at a list by, I think it was Mark Feinsand, because he had a he had a list about a week ago, I want to say. Just, this was a recent list. This wasn't like, oh, this was a, a year-old piece. I saw it. It was like September, uh, late September. It was like the top free agents this year. And it goes like Shohei Otani at the top. And you're like, whoa, nice, nice, nice. I think Chapman was three on the list. Yeah. Bellinger I, probably two. Yeah, Bellinger two. I think it was Chapman three, and then I want to say Blake Snell four. If I'm working off of – Austin's giving me the thumbs up like he has the – I think he sent it to me. Is why he's got the <laughs> thumbs up. Anyway, I'm looking at this list and thinking, yeah, uh, you absolutely cannot bring back Matt Chapman. That would – what would be a worse story to pop into your Twitter feed than Blue Jays re-signed Matt Chapman yeah. to four-year extension? Like, well – even if it's like a one-year pillow deal, Don't right? Care. Like, say he's like, yeah, Pass. I'll take one year, fifteen million. I was like, I- I'd rather take my fifteen million and let which him is funny like, because he was extreme, inch- yeah. like, if there is a bizarro reality here where Matt Chapman, we're all talking about like. Hail, hail, you know, like we're lifting him up on our shoulders. The yeah, whole city, like, you're the man. That's, that's he's sports, an inch man. away. I know, that's sports. He's an inch away from a home run, and he's a foot away from uh, a yeah. double. That cashes a bunch of Blue Jays and changes the, the, the entire season. And we're doing all these, like, hey, Chapman, how did it feel after the struggles yeah. of the season to finally get one, right? But anyways, yeah. he's gone. I think yep. Pilar is gone. I'm going to talk to David Sampson about it later, but I don't think he's playing on the turf anymore. It seems to be like a pretty curlier indicator. Oh, Kiermaier? You called him Pilar, I think. Oh, yeah, whoops. Yeah, I did call him Pilar. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm getting old. 
That's just like, this is who I am. I was just a, a loose brain. Yeah, I think They're like, the what would you say also... if they came to you and wanted to make the change to the team? I'm like, I would get rid of Pilar. They're like, yeah, like yeah we did that we already. Did that. Thanks, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check. What's next? Anyway, I just there's got to be drastic changes, but I'm just, I'm saying I'm not shuffling the deck chairs. I wouldn't trade Vladdy for nothing, right? For the vote, yeah. those of you that are afraid of the whole, well, you sell him at the oh, low. Good baseball trade. And if his yeah. value, like if people view him the way Blue Jays fans and the way we're talking about, like if this has really permeated Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. which I really don't think it has. I really don't. Like you you talk to former players, you, you talk to former executives, everybody's still, and yeah, you can still see the potential. And he has physically done it in 2021. You're only doing it to make a good baseball trade yeah. that makes your baseball team better. But I think if it hasn't been broached before for the first time in his tenure, you're having those conversations about what can we find in return for this guy if we shop him. I just don't know how they're going to plug all the holes. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. Here's, here's what I'll say. I know they're going to plug all the holes to be a good baseball team, right? Because you mentioned the rotation is going to return. Yeah, and it's coming back. Yeah, and they're, they're likely still going to have a strong bullpen. Hopefully they can. Yeah, maybe they do bring back Hicks, right? I don't know. Maybe that's a place where they decide to allocate resources, seeing as they, they have a plan of letting the starting pitcher only go three innings in big games. It's probably going to be important to keep a, a deep bullpen. Also, kind of... Isn't doesn't it make you feel a little differently about the bill the bullpens that they built years prior, knowing that this is actually the plans that they really liked? Is hey, we actually not only didn't we have no bullpens the year before, we were really hoping to yeah take our starting pitchers out early. I just I, the way that I look at it, I say all right, you're going to lose a couple of pretty critical players, and I, I just mean more so in terms of guys that got abs this year in Belt who will retire, Kiermaier who was so important to them, Chapman who was like, yeah, uh, Chapman, who's just, you're not going to have an option really, I think, at third base internally that is going to be better than him, unless it's maybe like Kevin Biggio, but does that make you feel great about being a World Series contender? Like, did you enjoy the Kevin Biggio playoff at bats? Well, and even Relvis Martinez, well, he he might have a great major league career, could be a star-level player. That's a lot of faith to put in a guy in his first kick of the can at the major league level for a team that, again, is going to be competing for a World Series. I can't wait for them to trade him for like a Paul DeYoung type where they go, hey, this is a lights-out defensive short stop but he he can't he can't hit a lick <laughs> he yeah. can't hit a lick but well that's that's something that's a lesson that had to have been learned here right like it's uh-huh. it's one you want a good defense right like and mm-hmm. that's we talk about this team leading the majors in era I, and i know you you see earned run you're like oh well it doesn't matter if they didn't commit errors that wouldn't have been represented in era yeah it would because what we're talking about is making plays that wouldn't be made by lesser defenders. The defense is important, not as important as this team made it seem, as mm-hmm. as their additions and subtractions would lead you to believe. It's important, but you got to score some runs, and just, especially in this division, in this league, and especially in the postseason, you have to hit home runs. This team didn't do that enough. I like, okay, so I want to take a quick break because I have one last thought exercise for you in terms of what comes next with this team. And it's like, well, all right, if there's all these holes to fill, do they essentially need to completely reverse course and do uh, basically the opposite trades that they did a year ago? Quick break, we'll come back, and we'll do Bad Hour with Ben Ennis. Sportsnet 599. All right, Bad Hour continues with Ben Ennis. Jay's postmortem. We had to do it today while the feelings were fresh, even though you're not in studio, because I'm here at this very weird slot for me i'm i'm having trouble 
adjusting. Not, not it's impossible. I mean, I think I've, I've figured out the sleep thing, and mm-hmm. I'm feeling okay waking up early mornings. But today, I was struggling with like what day it was. I was like yesterday, and yeah, no. I, I was not like when Bo Bichette came home and was thrown out of the plate yesterday. I was like, no, that was two days ago. Like I just. I forget what day it is. Sometimes. At least no one's Thanksgiving will be interrupted by the Blue Jays. So that's nice. You know, well, you're welcome, Canada, actually. In hindsight, that's the Blue Jays thing. Okay, so I, I mentioned, I tease it going into the break. Should the Jays just reverse course completely, which would be kind of hilarious, but sort of maybe the move that they need to make, which is, we just said, it's going to be really hard to plug the holes this offseason, right? All right, who's going to be at the, who's going to be steering the ship? We'll see. But yeah, of course, everyone's kicked around the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. trade, but it's really it really is hard to envision that. But for the Blue Jays to take a step forward, are they really gonna try to cash in on Ricky Tiedemann who wasn't able to stay healthy this year? Like, is the team really gonna give you a ton for that? Maybe I don't know. Um, are you really gonna try to cash on Arelvis Martinez at this point? Like, I don't know. Feels like maybe you should be sitting back on your assets, especially given uh, you don't have any depth really there. You traded. The, your Gabriel, last two yeah. top prospects, yeah. Gabriel Moreno and Austin Martin, yeah. were sent out the door for Again. for differing results. Great, uh, it should be also noted that Austin Martin is a whole lot of nothing. Like if Austin yeah, sure. Martin plays a major league baseball game, it'll be a surprise. Now. Yeah, whatever. I yeah. Anyway, my it, it's still the irony and the the perfect story of just the Alex Anthopoulos having playoff success here and trading basically a bunch of nobodies to get what were the most fun teams ever. And then having the guys that chastised him make the least fun team ever, but also trading the prospect that actually might bite you in the ass more than anything else is just, that's poetry. Like that is true, true, true poetry. Alex Anthopoulos, he's probably going to get a statue here someday just because of the lore of the way things worked out for him. Just the way the storytelling is going to go. I can't wait to hear him do his media rounds before the Braves start playing this weekend because you know he pops up. He likes to, when when bad Blue Jays things happen Mm -hmm. to Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins, Mm -hmm. he is very available. To, yeah. to talk about oh, he'll do a show you know his tenure in toronto <laughs> yeah. and, and how his team's doing in atlanta yeah yeah he's like i just want to be like that gabriel moreno is just the kind of guy that every organization would cover and does blah 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 anyway um and has my show reached out to him to maybe have him on tomorrow yeah of course maybe. yeah yeah maybe 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 so okay so do you just reverse do you actually pull from the area of strength and use it in trades do you trade eric swanson to try to get a bat <laughs> <laughs> i mean yeah you yeah I mean, before I get to that, like, yeah, you just raised the specter of you didn't mention Teoscar Hernandez on that that free agency pile and how hilarious that would be if the Blue Jays made a play to go get uh, Teoscar Hernandez. I actually think but yeah, like, a, you, I genuinely think they should. If they in the break him, we were talking as about... A, as a bench bat, like DH, like who's playing... Well, yeah, I, I think if, if he's signing with you, I mean, it's all it's coming down to money, but mm-hmm. also the type of money that you're paying him. He's, it's not to be coming off the bench or a platoon guy. It's an everyday bat, but mm-hmm. you're, you are losing Brandon Belt, and if he's your everyday DH, I think that's that, that there's, there's real value there, and mm-hmm. his first half of the season was a lot worse than his second half. Second half, he well, was August. It's Rams. actually his, his September was, like, bad again. But mm-hmm. his uh, August was incredible, and that's really what bolstered Teoscar. He season. hits home runs, though, yeah. which the Blue Jays do not. But, yeah, the, the overall question, should you take what is your strength, something that, that you have lots of? And I guess that would, if, if I was going to say what do they have lots of, pitching yeah. in general, but specifically starting pitching. No, no, this that, is the real. I, the, the Swanson thing was a joke. Here's the guys that I would actually be quietly considering shopping. Barrios, Kikuchi, um, I know this sounds crazy to say, but 
like, do you consider trading Romano? Like, do you consider trying to sell a closer at his very peak? If you want to bring back Jordan Hicks, like try to get some kind of a good return for a Jordan Romano and then re-sign Hicks and bring back. I do Green. think if like, you are re-signing Jordan Hicks and transitioning him into the closers role, then it's a tough place for Romano to be in, to be on this roster. And also the numbers would suggest he's just not been as good Outside of safe situations. I, I just think, too, that the idea of you trading a reliever at his peak, and I know that he had the little blip there, but no, I'm no, assuming no, no. He that he had a great right. season. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you, the, the idea of trading a relief pitcher at his peak for position player return or, mm-hmm. like, big assets, that's usually, to me, feels like that's the type of move you go, oh, that's what a smart front office does. Yeah, and, and if the Blue Jays can pull it off, I think, the, the other front offices around Major League Baseball are, are also smart, though. And I don't like. I'm trying to think of one of those trades that that come to mind in the offseason. Well, I will tell you, I remember how much the like the Mets were willing to take on all of Robinson Cano's contract to get Edwin Diaz. <laughs> so yeah. some teams do yeah. it. Yeah, that's true. And they, Romano doesn't like. Think... What's his contract? What's his money? I don't think it's very much. No, no, no. He's still under uh, yeah. arbitration. That's what um, I'm saying. No, I'd, I'd explore that, I suppose. Uh, if you can get, again, uh, you can put together a baseball trade. that the, I'd be open to any baseball trade that, that adds to an area of need with this team, which is power and offense in general. But yeah, the idea of trading a starting pitcher is super interesting. Like, you don't want to totally kneecap yourself, right? Like, mm. you don't want to take a strength and turn it into a weakness. And like, yeah, you think you've plugged one hole, you've just created too many others somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, which is is very possible. You also and they got incredibly fortunate with injuries this year, right? Say, like it just but like you, the idea that they can roll it back even with the same no, starting no, no. pitchers and get the exact same result next year is is probably unreasonable. To right, imagine. but don't you like, think both they with could the injuries and performance? Like so, here would be my case to these pitchers. Now I'd be going okay. Um, one, we're now a pitcher's ballpark. <laughs> you could come here. You could get your stats up. But when I'm talking about those free agents, there's really not any position players. But it's like, yeah, there's Jordan Montgomery's out there. Giolito's yeah. out there. Edward yeah. Rodriguez is out there. Aaron Nola's out there. Uh, yeah, Blake who Snell. Maybe Blake you Snell. shop at the top of, the, of, of the, the market. Maybe you're shopping at the top of the market for a Blake Snell and you're trading Kevin Gossman. Or, and you make a challenge trade, Manoa, to somewhere for a guy that's Manoa-ish from somewhere else in terms of a big pedigree player or an overpaid player, but that didn't quite make the money. Because I would still think that Manoa is a big asset, but I'll just say it's it's hard for me, given the way things have broken down, that he's a Toronto Blue Jay next year. Um, I think he's not a Toronto Blue Jay if you can find value for him in trade, but I will say yeah. that the Blue Jays are under no obligation to... Like, if the market's like, yeah, no... We need to see it from Alec Manoa, too. I, you know how you're going into spring training, not handing him a rotation job? It's like, we're not going to give you assets for a guy that might just be cooked at this point. I know, so but I, well, I, I think this could end up believe. being a spot. This could end up in a place where he demands a trade. So what? This the, He has no leverage. Mm-hmm. He is under team control. Like, if this is not other sports. He's not an established star. He's not yet been paid. Like, that's great. Like, mm-hmm. go ahead and see how far that gets I like you. how you said that. Go ahead. Like you said it like, hey, hey, go ahead. All right, tough guy. I, I, I just like, yeah, he's a guy that didn't perform, is making no money, and has options. <laughs> I just, that's, I, and I'm not saying that that's fair or even mm. good. Like, all, I'm all about the proletariat and let, let's give players their rights and, and player empowerment, but that's just the landscape of Major League Baseball that he has no leg to stand on. Like, mm. he, he can say he wants to trade, and the Blue Jays can be like, well, that's, maybe we'll look. 
but but maybe not. So how about you just like throw pitches in Buffalo for us? Or mm-hmm. even worse, like we didn't enjoy the way you ran us around this year. How about yeah, you like the Florida Complex League? Mm-hmm. Back you go there. See how you like throwing in 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 Dunedin in the middle of July. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I, I I don't discount the possibility that his representation does come to the Blue Jays this mm-hmm. offseason. It's like we need a separation. But if that happens and I'm the Blue Jays, I'm saying thanks, but no thanks. We got to wrap up, but I wanted to close on this. Where does this season rank for you amongst most painful, just Oof. Toronto sports seasons ever? Because, Toronto sports seasons. Yeah. yeah, because to me, this is this is going to go down as truly like an iconic. I think these guys replaced the 2013 team in terms of. I don't think necessarily disappointing from a, wow, we really thought World Series or bust because I think people had their questions with the cleanup stuff and the trades and there was some controversy around this group. But just in terms of like a slog of a year where like I meant the joylessness and the pain of this, I I think that these guys are going to be remembered for the wrong reasons. Well, there's absolutely no question about that. But I'm I, having lived through 2013, which by the way, like came before 2015 and the mm-hmm. playoff... Uh, drought was 20 years at that point. I, I I was of the impression that, yeah, the Blue Jays would just never make it back to the playoffs when they went into a season with, like, they were mm-hmm. the betting favorite to win the World Series and never even sniffed 500 until they had an 11-game winning streak on the strength of Chen Ming Wong. No, that, that for me, as someone who's invested in, in the Toronto sports teams, nothing will be as painful as that. But it's, it's, it's from an entertainment standpoint, from a Hey, can you squint and believe in this team standpoint? Can can you see the the linear progression of some young players and a and a core that has World Series talent mm-hmm. perspective? It was very bad. <laughs> it's not good, and it did not leave a lot of lasting positive impressions. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, the best moments of the season for me was Davis Schneider, mm-hmm. a guy who might not even be mean? a major leaguer, hitting a couple of home runs. Outside of that, not too many. I'll talk to you next week, Benny. <laughs> Take care. There he goes, Ben Ennis. That was bad hour. Quick break. Uh, someone who was very much in the know. How does a decision like yesterday's get made? And then, yeah, are we sure? Are we sure it's not going to be a bunch of turnover here? David Sampson, next. What you eating? Still feels gross. It's going to feel gross for a while. Can't wait for the end of season media veils from the front office from everybody. It's going to be really fun. Hey, how'd you guys come to this decision? We believe in our process here. Okay. Pass. Anyways, a longtime president of Major League Baseball, host of the Nothing Personal podcast, David Sampson. Part of Metal Arc Media, one of my favorites, David Sampson. Good morning, man. How are we doing? I'm all right. I think I'm better than you. Yeah. Oh, I'm. You're definitely better than me. There's no question. I mean, you're probably you're better at your job and you're in a better mood. And yeah, I like this is a bad day for me. This is not a good day. I'd like to tell you that I didn't see it coming because I didn't see it coming because I actually thought that they'd be able to turn on the switch and actually perform like a team. Mm-hmm. But instead, they performed the way they performed all year, and I don't know why I'm surprised. Yeah, I think a lot of us feel that way, though. And there was something, I, I kind of kept saying it over and over again, and this is where I, I always try to tell, tell myself, hey, you're not the main character, 
right? We, we get into this. You're not the main character. Your sports team is not the main character. I don't know how many times you have to have heartbreak in sports for you to realize, like, there's no special story happening for you here. There's no thing that, oh, well, you suffered, and so now that's going to end up in the storybook finish. Like, that's not it. But the story that I think I was telling myself all year long trying to avoid was that this Blue Jays team was built on pitching. They were built on defense. They were built on the ability to win these scrappy games. They won more teams than anyone in Major League Baseball when their opponent scored three or less. You know, their win percentage was three the roof they proved over and over again that they could win that type of game they built a better bullpen and i thought everyone's going to crush this team all year despise this team all year because frankly they were this was the least popular good team i've ever i've ever covered i've ever witnessed in the city they get to the playoffs and they're going to basically change all the narratives and everyone's going to have to delete all the tweets and no <laughs> they did the worst thing possible but it culminates in this decision right where everyone loses their top they move off of Jose Barrios in a must win game despite him dealing to go to a pitcher that had an ERA of let me take another peek at this i think it's 5:40 in September uh, sorry 502 in 6 games with a whip of 147 in September they go to Yusei Kikuchi with a runner on um I want to ask you, uh, kind of out of the uh, out of the gate here, you being someone who, yeah, was the longtime president of the Marlins, how how does a decision like this get formulated in 2023? Well, let's say that it starts before the game starts. Yeah. And I just want to be clear: there's a lot of talk about John Schneider and asking him to get fired and saying that this was all him. And I said on my show this morning, it's not that Mark and was watching the game and said, oh, my God, they took out Berrios. It doesn't really work that way. So they viewed that the combo of Berrios and Kikuchi was the best way to go. Mm-hmm. And they said, after one time through, if there's a runner on or two runners on, make the move. And that's how you do it. Who, but who is making that call ultimately? Like when, when we're talking about like Mark and Ross, are they sitting in a room with John Schneider before this one? Like they're bringing in like an analytics department. They're bringing in Pete Walker. Like how many people get involved in this decision? Or does this just ultimately come down to Ross Atkins hands this guy a, a sheet and says, these are the ways that we're playing these things out this. And we're determining how this game is like going to be decided. Well, you try to be more inclusive than that, of course. Mm-hmm. But the decision is made by Mark and Ross. And you, you tell John what's going to happen, and you try to get buy-in because you want the clubhouse to believe in what you're doing. But make no mistake, this is a front office decision. Yeah, and it's it pretty easy if you just look back with history that it is the front office decision considering that they made this exact same move in 2020 during the pandemic year with Matt Shoemaker. And it's not as egregious when it's Matt Shoemaker and they lifted him for, again, another lefty and Robbie Ray. They employed almost essentially the exact same strategy. Robbie Ray gave up a triple. The Rays end up scoring what ends up going, uh, what is a go-ahead run, and they end up losing another tight playoff game, 3-1. Um, yeah, this is something that they obviously have like deeply ingrained in their philosophy philosophy and I, I guess just you know what what is your opinion on the way that they seem to be doing this and just I guess even the direction that the sport is seems to be taking with just completely no power for a manager like this because yeah you said it's inclusive but that does pretty much seem like a spot where if you're John Schneider and you go against it and it backfires you might never be coaching in Major League Baseball again oh you can't do that you'd lose your job yeah so I, I would tell you that managers their role is not as much game management as it used to be. It's far more managing down to the clubhouse 
and up to the front office. So that's the first thing about measures. The second thing I want to say about Toronto, we're looking at it in the rearview mirror. The move didn't work. Mm-hmm. But the odds were that it was going to work. It just didn't. So I'm, I, I, I don't blame Mark for what he did. I understand the anger and the frustration. But it's hard to argue with the decision. You're results-based arguing right now, and I don't like that. It is results-based, but like, doesn't that shift in the playoffs? Like, isn't this sports? Isn't this the part of the human element? Isn't it trying to like balance those two things? Which is like, you have the numbers, you have the probabilities in those spots, but you're able to watch the way that your pitcher is going, the way that he's throwing. You have a pitching coach for a reason. You have the manager for that reason. You trust the athlete in that spot. Like, yeah, I, I guess when it comes to that flexibility, it just it makes it hard as a sports fan to think, hey, you're not you, you, like, yes, you are playing the result. But you also have to kind of look at this through the lens of like, how can you try to put something down on paper that isn't played out that way? Like this isn't a math equation. I totally get it because I'm a fan now and not in the game. But at the same time, the numbers are the numbers. And you do take the human element out of it because every time we would go to the mound and talk to a pitcher, the pitcher would say, I got this. I'm good for one more guy. I'm good. I feel great. You can't ask the athletes because they're competitors. They want to be there. It's our job to put the athletes in the best position to succeed. And we use all the arrows in our quiver. And it's changed over time that the human eye has taken, I would say, third place mm-hmm. to the numbers on the paper. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty clear. Do you think that it's gotten to a point though, where there's some paralysis with analysis? I've always thought that, but I've thought that for 30 years when I was working on wall street, I would be surrounded by people who would be willing to make a move because they were still studying one more iteration of a possibility. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to fail and you have to be willing to analyze and then make a decision. And in sports, the decision is made because in real time, the game is happening. So what we try to do is make as many decisions in advance as possible. So, for example, when you're not going to let your pitcher go three times through with the lineup, there's no time for emotion. If he's lights out for the first 18 batters, you made the decision under, what's the expression, sane body body and mind. You were sane when you did it, and you stick with it. Man, I the, the look on John Schneider's face in that dugout when it looked like he had to make that decision, him talking to Pete Walker. Uh, I also wonder when those things backfire, like especially when you do take the human element out of it in front of all of your players in a, in a dugout like that, what the reaction is. I know that they're paid to be professionals. I know that, that we're supposed to look at these guys as, hey, you know, this is what the money's for. You go, you step out there. You can't be, you're not the managers of this team. You've got to go out and execute. But I, I just wonder too what the human toll of this thing is when those guys are being told, hey, we're playing it out on our spreadsheet before the game and, and we're taking a lot of this out of your control. But at the same time, we're all looking at the playoff projections every day. Oh, you have a 49.2% chance. Hey, we won five in a row. We have a 92.6% chance. I hate oh, those. Crikey, we lost four in a row. We're back down to 30. Mm-hmm. That's just all simulations. That's all numbers. Mm-hmm. And we've been doing pinch hitting based on numbers for 50 years, 100 years. It's just that there's more numbers now 
which means it's more accurate. Yeah, but you've hardly ever pinch hit for you know your stud at, your stud bat here. This is a guy in Barrios that they sunk a seven uh, seven year contract worth of what one hundred thirty million dollars into. Like, what do you just make of the asset allocation here? Like, like what's your opinion on a team that is be willing to do a move like this when they're taking so much of their budget and sinking it into yes, starting pitching? I love that question because so many teams keep playing the guys they're paying. There was just an article today that the Mets front office made Buck Showalter play that big guy, uh, Vogelbach. Yeah. And how Buck Showalter didn't want to play him, but Billy Epler made him play him because he didn't want to acknowledge that it was a bad signing and a bad player. There's a lot of ego involved with your draft picks, with your trade, with your free agents. You want them to work, and so you keep going until you literally can't go anymore. So replacing Berrios does not mean that the investment was bad. It means they had a better option in their mind at that moment. Do you think that so I, I don't think they regret the signing or the allocation? Do you think so you don't think they regret the decision yesterday? Like they, you said, they made it with clear eyes. They made it with a clear mind, and they go, "Hey, we we feel like we made the right choice." And so they stand by this decision because I think a lot of people now are wondering after what is now year seven of Shapiro and Atkins, what, what is going to be the future of this team? Like what is going to change? And yeah, some people think that it'll just be the roster. It seems anyways, from like the insiders that I've talked to that um, it, it'll be kind of quiet with the front office, but maybe it's a little bit louder with the changes on the field. Like what do you see transpiring here in Toronto over the coming days, weeks, months? I think their position players are getting more expensive and they have to decide who they're going to stick with. And I love Vladimir. I've known him since he was a kid and I love him as a player, but I'm not giving him 30 million a year. And I'm thinking of, of moving him before he gets even more expensive. And this is not because he got picked off second base. This is something I've been talking about on your station for years about whether to sign him long-term or not. And it's not that the Blue Jays are afraid to spend money. It's that they just haven't had good luck in the playoffs. So I think that running it back, quote-unquote, is wise. But with changes of certain players at certain times, maximizing their value. So, you know, that's a, that's a really interesting one. Uh, what do you think Vlad's value around baseball would be, though? Because I think that the the first pushback from fans when – that's brought up the whole, hey, would you move Vladimir Guerrero Jr. question? It's how can you trade a player at his lowest value, which it would be this year, right? A couple of years remaining of team control. But yeah, now we're a little bit far removed from the MVP season. There's a larger sample size of, yeah, a really, really tough, I, I think from him anyways, for a guy of his caliber, tough couple of seasons statistically. What do you think the interest in him would be around Major League Baseball? Like what, what does the hall look like if they just decide to put his name out there? I think it's a three for one. I think you get a major league player uh, and a good major league player, an average major league player and a couple of prospects. Hmm. So I think it's a three, three for one or maybe four for two. People will be definitely attracted by Guerrero and what he was because executives are funny in baseball. They think they can get players back to what they were and ignore what they are. Mm-hmm. And the key in winning trades is to not delude yourself into thinking that what you're seeing is not what you're seeing. 
Is because it- with Vladimir, it's a perfect example. You could look at Vlad and say, hey, these two years are an aberration. He is an MVP caliber player. Or you look at him and say, you know, that MVP was the aberration. And this is who he is. And so being the first and the best to evaluate a player is how you win a trade. If another president came to you and said, hey, we're thinking about making this move, how aggressive should we be? Should we pursue it? What would you say? I would pursue Guerrero, but I wouldn't sign him long term. He is a perfect piece on a winning team, but not the central piece. So I don't want to have to count on him to carry us, but I want to count on him to bring depth to my lineup. Do you think that he's the central piece in terms of the Blue Jays that you would want to move? Like uh, in terms of their flexibility, they don't have a super deep farm system. They've got a bunch of guys that are going to be leaving in free agency. Um, The pitching rotation looks set. They've got a big question with Jordan Hicks, but ultimately like the bullpen is a, is a position of strength. Like, it's not a it's not a deep free agent class. I don't really know how they fix some of the position players there. It does feel like it's going to have to be a trade. If it's not Guerrero, who are you looking to like on this Blue Jays roster as? You know what? This is probably someone that they shop. Well, you want to talk about trading at the high? So you could look at Bichette hmm. and say, "Wow, I wonder what kind of assets we could get for him." And it's just a matter of a you have to get the payroll from Rogers to know where you're going to be next year. And then you start to piece it together. But you mentioned Hicks. You know, bullpens come and go. Take a look at the teams who are around right now, still left. It's not about signing the best free agent closer. Mm-hmm. So I would not. Your, your bullpen in April is never your bullpen in October. Listen, I just pitched the idea to my old co-host Ben Ennis before this segment of, hey, maybe you just trade Romano right now. Like maybe you decide to look around baseball and say we're trying to trade him at his peak. Uh, while he's on a, a cheaper deal. I just don't know what you end up still getting back for a closer in, in baseball still. I feel like front offices are way smarter than that because they're kind of in tune with what you're saying. Um, the big one, though, to me, though, David, is just it's it's a lot of years into this front office, and I know you're saying we're playing the results here, but, yeah, that's 0-6 in the postseason. This is a year where, you know, if we're going to extend the sample size, they they took a step back. It's It's 89 wins, and they were, like, clearly the third team in their division. And this Blue Jays team had a ton of expectations. They were thought by many to be like the envy of baseball. Some of that ends up being not their fault because of like the Vladimir Guerrero quotient that we just talked about, whether, you know, he's a winning piece, but not a superstar piece. I'm curious if you think like they are considering it all, like a guy like Mark Shapiro is considering it all a change at general manager. He is the general manager. I'm more than happy to argue this point with you that he's running the business and not involved in the baseball and that it's all Ross. But that's like saying Kenny Williams in Chicago wasn't involved and Rick Hahn did it all. Mm. It's just not accurate. It's not like Mark is opening the newspaper in the morning saying, oh, look who we signed or traded for. Yeah. That is is absolutely incorrect. So I I don't think that Mark – it would be amazing if Mark actually fired Ross as a way to show that, hey, I had nothing to do with it. It was just Ross. But that's not the type of person Mark is. He knows that he is very, very involved. And I don't think Rodgers is going to make a change, nor do I think it's warranted. I think that you tweak the team, but stay the course. And I'm the one who chose the Blue Jays to win the AL East, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I'm eating crow as much as you are. 
Yeah. Um, that's one way of putting it for us is eating crows. That's, I think it's just disappointment. And here's, here's the thing. You're right. I think pretty much everybody accepts that Mark Shapiro is heavily involved in terms of, yeah, the construction of this baseball team, all of the moves. Like we have a, a very similar setup with our other two professional teams here, right? Like we've got Brendan Shanahan who runs the Toronto Maple Leafs and yeah, it's like, he just fired Kyle Dubas and it was over. Sometimes those guys would have disagreements. Um, we have a setup with the Toronto Raptors where Masai Ujiri is the team president and he has a general manager in Bobby Webster. I think that we all know that Masai Ujiri is the guy that, you know, ends up pulling the levers. Like this is modern day sports. You have a president, he's insulated with a GM. I think that, yeah, you basically put pose two questions if you're going to make the move. One is, yeah, are you trying to make a move optically? Like, do you care as a front office at all? And I'm, I'm asking you this as like, if you're the team president in this spot, you've got a really frustrated fan base, right? A lot of people that are hoping for change, a lot of people that are really disappointed with the organization. Do you consider this as a president? Like, you know what? I actually do want to lay blame at someone else's feet. And I want to actually make it look like I'm bringing a different voice in the room to help me consult about this roster. Cause me and the general manager have been looking at this same picture for seven years and something doesn't seem to be clicking for the two of us as a partnership. So like part of it being optics, but part of it just being, you do need maybe just a different voice to consult you on a team that you might be too close to. It would be amazing for Mark to have that sort of self-awareness as president of the team to say that a different voice is needed other than his own or other than Ross's. I just don't think that's practical. I don't think that's going to happen. And in terms of giving fans what they want, change for change's sake, you can't act like a fan or you will soon be a fan. Mm. And that sounds harsh, but that is the reality. Mm-hmm. So the conviction in the plan stays forward. It just becomes, hey, we need to tweak the offense, which, yeah, a year ago. It's just it's tough because it looks like they're just going to be flipping back from exactly what they had a year ago, which was like a potent offense, and then they were missing some bullpen pieces. They trade a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. They try to get more mature as a baseball team, and yesterday Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is getting you know punched out at second base um, with the team's best hitter up at the dish. Uh, like the base running mistakes happen kind of all year long. It just feels like some of the objectives of the year – just really backfired. And so for them to kind of go moving forward, is it to you, like when we're saying, Hey, like maybe tweak the baseball team, like uh, Vladimir Guerrero jr. Wouldn't be a tweak, you know, trading Boba wouldn't be a tweak. Do you think there is a like strong scenario here where they're just like, it's everybody back. Like it's Bo back. It's Vladdy back. It's the front office back. And they're trying to basically like, you know, nibble around the edges with this team and try to find a little bit more offense. And that's it. You mean like the Padres run it back. We had a bad year, but it's, we're going to be better next year. Mm-hmm. I think that the Blue Jays recognize that they are falling further behind the Orioles, not getting closer. The Orioles are young and they're going to be good again next year. This is sort of just their start of their window. Mm-hmm. And so I think Toronto knows that they've got to get meaningfully better. So you say tweak, it's like tomato, tomato. What you may consider a tweak, I may consider a big change to the team. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, you don't exactly know what's going on in the clubhouse. Talking about Vladimir and judging him based on being picked off second, that's not a good position to be in. I don't think you should do that. That was one play at a bad time that we'll never forget. But I'm not going to run my team and form my plan for next year based on that play. Yeah. Uh, I think with him, it's the larger sample. It's that it's like that was emblematic of something that has been kind of pervasive throughout his career, right? Not that you're basing it off of one bad moment. Listen, I'm, I, again, I've been the one telling you that I would not get into bed with Vladimir forever. Mm-hmm. So I, I agree with what you're saying. 
But I know right now what the fan base is calling for is immediate, decisive action. And this is the time not to do that. Everyone's emotional. It's raw. This is the time to take a breath. Uh, would you pull from a position of strength like this team was built around starting pitching? But if you're them and you're trying to build around a little bit more offense, or you're trying to trade. Uh, yeah, you're trying to make some changes. Do you think they'll consider a move like that where they say, you know what? We've got four starting pitchers returning next year. Maybe now is actually the time we decide to talk to other teams about a guy like a Barrios. There's two theories that you should tell me if you agree with one, you have to give to get. Mm-hmm. And two, you can never have enough starting pitching. Yeah, I love both. I agree with both. So given that, I would not trade pitching. I would work around the edges. So I also want to talk to you today about a couple of other things, which is just like baseball in general, the state of baseball. Um, Because I, I think that these ones are kind of pertinent too in terms of the way that we're looking at you know, you mentioned spending money on the baseball team, right? And how much this product is growing and trying to appease this fan base. I saw from Bob Nightingale that the, yeah, Major League Baseball drew 70 million fans this season, or sorry, an increase of 70 million fans this season. It's the largest increase they've had in 30 years. Um, how much of this is the pitch clock? How much of this is just like returning from the norms of COVID where we had less people in the seats? Like how, how much do you think that these numbers, these growth numbers for baseball are going to impact front offices moving forward here in the next couple of seasons? Like, especially the ones that are looking at, you know, competitive windows like the blue Jays who know that they have to have a winning product to put that many butts in the seats. Yeah. So I think total attendance was 70 million, not yes, the growth. Sorry. And what I would say to you is that, those numbers are really good for PR, mm-hmm. but they're meaningless to me as someone who ran a team. I want to know the average ticket price. I want to know whether or not if I add up the gate revenue of all 30 teams, is it more this year than it was last year? And how much of that was based on price increases or actually more people coming, paying more money. So you don't read a lot about average ticket price. Because I could put 30,000 people in Marlins Park and charge them all a dollar. Or I could put 5,000 in and charge them all $6. And one way is more people. Both ways are the same amount of money. So you think that this is more of an inflated number then? Sounds like that's what you're saying. I didn't say it's inflated. There's actually 70 million tickets sold. Sure. I just saying until you look at average ticket price it's not that meaningful in terms of a front office making decisions to invest in payroll mm-hmm. do you think that the-, the number we looked at mm-hmm. on our financials every year was not our attendance who cares yeah we looked at what our gate revenue was yeah i can tell you here that they're not charging a dollar ticket i go to a lot of the games there's no dollar <laughs> tickets there's I, I i like that they have dollar hot dogs but, and they sell those in record numbers, but there's no dollar tickets here in Toronto. How much do you think that the renovations to the ballpark are going to impact the, the, the money next year? We would always do a calculation based on capital expenditures in the stadium and what the payoff would be. Uh-huh. So if we add a ball area, the construction cost is, and what incremental revenue we will realize from that capital expenditure. Except it's really hard to do. So you need to keep your facility updated. You need to have entertainment options for your fans. Mark Shapiro has been very loud about wanting opportunities for people to go to games who don't even like baseball. Mm-hmm. And I love that as 
president of a team. I said that all the time. Mm-hmm. We actually had a bar at Marlins Park where you couldn't even see the field. And I was good with that. So I think that updating your ballpark is always good. Keeping a first class is always good. If anything, it's good PR and good for your salespeople. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If there's going to be one win from this year, it was that the ballpark was way more enjoyable and that, yeah, next year they're going to change even more. There's going to be more viewing areas. The seats are going to be better. The ballpark is going to change pretty drastically. Like this is a city that just like people love to drink and they like to drink outdoors. So you pop the lid open on the dome and people can have a drink and yeah, it works out. Uh, It's way, way, way better there. I just wonder if they want to make sure like, Hey, you know what? These renos, they're expensive, but also we want to make sure that there's still butts in the seats. Uh, That's going to come through a winning product. And if you're talking about like taking a step back from the Orioles, and maybe even the Rays and knowing what, yeah, the Red Sox look like they're going to try to do next year. I don't think that the Yankees are going to go into some massive competitive lull. Yeah. The, the pressure that it, this is going to put on this baseball team to kind of get it right next year. It feels like, yeah, it's, it's going to be but a that's lot every year, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. In the ALE, there's yeah. always the Red Sox and Yankees. And now it's even worse because the lower payroll teams are good, are both smart instead of just the Rays being smart. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, this is the ultimate nightmare situation. <laughs> it's fine if the teams below you are the Rays and the Orioles. I don't think it's as fine if the teams that are below you and you're in the middle of, yeah, the, it's the Yankees and the Red Sox. Anyway, uh, I can't wait to see how it, plans, or it pans out. Hey, David, thanks so much for the perspective today. I always appreciate it, man. Hey, have a great day. Thank you. Take care. David Sampson, host of Nothing Personal with David Sampson, uh, former Marlins president. So you talk to a guy like that, you always feel a little dumb with having reactions where you're like, oh, change things, change things. But I don't, I don't agree. I don't think that this is a change for a sake of change situation anymore. Like baseball is a pretty big sample. It, <laughs> we've got a big sample of this baseball team. We've got a big sample of this front office. And I get it. It's, it's, new, it's new wild card dimensions, right? I, I think making the wild card is playoffs, okay? I think that the Blue Jays just played in the playoffs. Even had it been a one-game wild card like it was in 2016, I still would call that playoffs. I understand the, the greed of a sports fan of wanting like the DS, the CS, all these different things, but I, like I referenced this yesterday, the Jerry DePoto at the podium thing of like, hey, we've turned things around. Hey, we've made the progress. Hey, we've done the thing. And, and I almost feel like you know, this is, this is the thing we talked about too with the plan, right? David's like, oh yeah, well they had the plan and those are the cold numbers and you got to stand by the plan and you got to take out the flexibility and you've had the player who comes up to you. It's like, yeah, yeah. Sports fans have been kind of told this for a, a long time, right? This is, this is the thing. If you have the reaction, the reaction is dumb. What it is is like going over the plan for oh, ever and ever and ever. I guess like, you know what it becomes to me? When, when is the time then? Like if it's always just stick with the plan, stick with the smart people, because all these people that do these jobs are, you know, high level. This isn't the 1970s anymore where you could kind of luck your way into a job where they're going to make like the Steepian rule, right? If, if you're a major league baseball executive at this point, odds are is you are a highly intellectual math, somewhat genius, business genius. You're a mixture of a billion different things. Like Samson, where it's like, this guy can do a lot of different stuff. He's like, I was on Wall Street and I'm a president of a baseball team. I'm like, yeah, I can barely get in time to do my podcast. All right. I get it. 
these guys are always going to think like, you know, he's, I, he can relate to a guy like Mark Shapiro where he's like, yeah, he's going to have conviction in his plan. He's going to have conviction in his people. He's not going to say that there's people that are out there that are better than him with baseball. I'm like, yeah, but there was one thing in there where it was like, Hey, if he has that perspective of bringing in the other person, and that's what I would try to say to someone like that. Do I think Mark Shapiro is a brilliant baseball mind? I do. Do I think that he is a brilliant baseball, you know, uh, executive, all these different, yes, of course he is. I don't think that there's like 25 guys out there. I don't think that you and I could step into Mark Shapiro's job and be like, yeah, this is pretty simple. Like we got this thing figured out. Like, no, obviously not. There's not a dearth of those people out there that can just do that stuff. But I think if I'm him, I'm, tr- I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a, of a smarter person. If I'm him, the smartest thing that I think I, I, I can do is bring in someone else to give you an outside perspective. Bring in someone else that can give you a different look. Someone else that can be publicly facing. These guys clearly care about the optics to the public, and that's a big part of of Atkins' job. And I would just be saying, where are you going to lay the blame then for the Varsho trade? Like, where are you going to lay the blame for that one? Because you should be taking credit for the free agent signings. You should be saying, you know what? I'm the one that's got the organization to open up the purse. Everybody's opened up the wallet. We've signed guys like Bassett. We said, screw the draft picks. We went out and gave him money. Gave Gossman money, all those guys that Ben just mentioned. We've been able to change the way that this place is perceived from a free agent standpoint over these last few years. And that has a lot to do with me being the direct conduit with up top. And I try to trust my baseball people with who we should be moving off of from the farm system. I can't do it all. So let me have a new person come in. I think it would be a mistake to just continuously say, well, you stick with the plan. It's the smart people. And it's like, when does that end? When, when do results start to matter like this? You're third in the division. This wasn't like, oh, man, you got some bad bounces. You were just this incredible team. Like, I can hear that more sometimes with the Maple Leafs, right? Is you go, man, you know, you keep smashing regular season points records. And I know, blah, 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 overtime point, all this different stuff. Your team has so much success and then they get in the playoffs and for whatever reason, they're just like not able to look the same way. Of course, you want to maintain your top tier talent. Of course, you don't want to just trade really good players for mediocre players. The question is different, by the way, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because I think what you're asking there is like, hey, are you an elite talent? Because I think it's been more proven, like I mentioned with some of the Leafs guys. And I know this is part of the Toronto trauma too, is that you start to blend in all the teams together where you're upset. And so you're like, something needs to change somewhere because I'm sick of just the status quo being basically modus operandi all over the place here. But with the baseball team, I do. I think that they are at an inflection point. Like, there is a massive fan base here that is chomping at the bit to love the baseball team again. We got a taste of it in 2015 and 2016 and in 2021, those three teams, and I know 2021 didn't make the playoffs, but those three teams brought such a great dynamic to this city in the summertime. And I've mentioned, like, I know that it's a national television product and I know like, awesome. I'm so glad that there are fans of the Blue Jays across the country and that it truly is Canada's team, right? When they go to Seattle, that they have all the fans that go down there, the Alberta fans, the Minnesota, you know, like all the people that were piled into that stadium from different parts of Canada that are going down to those games. I love it. It's a nationally loved team. But here in this city, if you're like looking for something to do in the summertime, we don't have a ton of beaches, you know? It's not a place where you can just go hit the water. There are concerts that come through. We do what? Bud stage, right? 
We go, hey, what are you going? You're going to these shows? You're going to these concerts? It's all right. Outdoor venue, right? Big outdoor venue. A lot of the tickets that are at a lot of other stadiums are pretty expensive. Like if you're trying to see a highlight event, that's a, that's a big expensive ticket. What else are you doing? Okay, you're going to bars, you're going to patios. That's nice. It's all right. How many times are you going to go to your local bar? And how many times are you going to sit on your local patio? Are you really going to jump around spot to spot every single weekend? It can be a little exhausting. What is the event of the city? Is it going to the aquarium? I don't think so. Like, I don't think that the local people here love going to the, st- to the aquarium. Going to the wrong, like, what, what are you doing here? Like, in the summertime, this isn't the great outdoors. This isn't, you go hike up a mountain here in Toronto. Going to a Toronto Blue Jays game is like a summer staple for this city. Having a fun ballpark is an awesome thing for the city. People here want to go to the games. But as we saw with that Rangers series, when people start to get pissed off and people just don't feel that excitement to go to those games, you're going to lose tickets. You're going to lose people in seats. People are people tune in. This is a bit of a front runner city sometimes with the baseball team. And they, they, we all are. Listen, there's so many different content possibilities for you. There's so many different ways that you can spend your time watching something else. There are so many other ways that you can spend a dollar. I'm just saying that when the Toronto Blue Jays are hot in the summertime, people want to go. People want to go when the team is fun and the team is exciting. We've seen this time and time again. It becomes a premier destination in the city of Toronto. And to me... And I look at a front office and I look at a group and I say, all right, what's working? Well, clearly you can still get butts in the seats. Clearly you can still have, you know, you've you've done a great job with some of these renovations. You're doing the best you can with this ballpark that, yeah, frankly, you just, you have it in too perfect a location to try to build a new one somewhere else. It's amazing. Like the, I'd rather go down to the Rogers Center knowing that it's like on the subway line or that you can get off to the highway. Like just, you can walk up from downtown then have it be, yeah, somewhere else with more amenities or a different... Like, I think everybody in the city wants that, especially given, like, how hard it is to make anything work transportation-wise in the city. But people are frustrated, and I get it. Like, I get that perspective of an executive going, like, you know, that, that old cliche that he used there. That's the one Brian Burke used to trot out there, right, all the time. It was like, if you listen to the fans, you're going to be sitting with them. Well, you know what? If you don't listen to the fans, you're going to piss them off, and you're going to have them upset, and they're not going to want to participate in your product. And I don't think that's very good too. And so to me, I think this is a balance of the baseball and the business. Sometimes you're going to have to fire someone for the optics. Sometimes you're going to have to move off of somebody because it's just people do. They, they, we're, you know what? we're sports fans. Like sometimes you need the like the sacrifice. You need to turn the page on something and just say to people like, hey, we are listening to you. We do care about you in some way. And I think one of the most frustrating things is like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to feel like, you know, when I'm buying a ticket, I'm like, oh, I'm the, the, I pay the salary. Like, no, 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 nobody's doing that, right? This isn't the Green Bay Packers thing where you think like you're the owner of the team. But you want to feel as though when there is a mass feeling in a fan base of frustration to this degree that you treat it as though there is an entertainment product element to this. And I thought with the Leafs, you know, could, could they, should they be trading a star? Like maybe it's probably the year, like the Nylander stuff is up in the air. We'll get into it next week, but yeah, you know what? Dubas is going to be one of the best GMs in hockey for a long time, best presidents in hockey for a long time. And they went, you know what? We need to change here. 
we need a change here. And some of it maybe is optics. Some of it is disagreements, whatever you go and you make a change. What are we saying about the Toronto Raptors right now? There's a huge amount of frustration in the fan base. They're going, what are we supposed to expect differently here this year? And is there a lot of excitement around the Raptors? Like, do you guys feel a huge buzz for Raptors this year? Do you have any friends that are going, man, I just cannot wait for the Raptors. Like, yeah, that we'll get more into it when it happens and there's going to be stories that emerge and hopefully Scotty Barnes is better. And, you know, it's a, it's a very enthusiastic fan base. But in terms of people going, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And how I felt for baseball this year was I can't wait. How I felt about baseball the last couple of years was I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I know I'm a sicko who absolutely loves baseball. It's my favorite sport, I think, to go to multiple games of throughout a year. It's like going to, well, I actually know that for a fact. I much prefer going to a baseball game and sitting in the sun and watching them play and chatting with a friend than I do the intensity of going to like the rink every night and paying exorbitant amount of money for tickets. I, lo- I love a live basketball game, but the seats are so much more important in that than any other sport. Argos, baby. Yeah, Argos are great. I love the Argos. I'm going, I, I'm thrilled that they're playing at three o'clock in the East Final because I can make it back in time to do Leafs talk that night. Leafs talk returning soon, by the way. Anyway, I just... You can always make the case that you're an idiot, quote unquote, for wanting change because you're emotional. You can always make the case of, well, you know, these guys are calculated and they're smart and you're dumb and you're looking at the team through a quick moment, but it's not a moment anymore. It's seven years. It's seven years of this front office and it's, it's you got to look at the entire picture and the entire picture is a farm system that's not particularly deep, multiple kicks at the can with a extremely competitive budget and a bunch of really good players. And you've gone over six in playoff games. And sure. That's a sample David price and playoff baseball and the way things are, you're now. Okay, fine. Well, you're third in the vision this year. You were third. You took a step back from a wins losses standpoint. You won 89 freaking games. The Orioles, the Baltimore Orioles are skyrocketing ahead of you. The Tampa Bay Rays are consistently better than you. You haven't won a division. There isn't a year where they won, you know, like they, they're not winning the pennant. So what is it? The regular six season success is what exactly? That you're making it, you're limping into the playoffs because you're ahead of the Mariners? The, the, the other team that's just like the historic drought team that was with you, your brother in arms for year after year after year? Like you beat out the Mariners because they choked some games. You're 89 wins, third in the division. And now you've got those other two teams set right behind you. So it's like what? So is next year the all-in year? What happens next year if you win 89 games? You just stay in the course? How, when is it enough? What is the tipping point? And I would feel like right now feels like a tipping point. Right now feels that way. There are years where you get reactionary and you go like blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I don't think that happens with this team every year. That didn't even happen last year. Like last year, people thought, you know what? Maybe fire the manager because that was the Gosman decision and he's a rookie. And there was a discussion about Terry Francona potentially coming here. Like it, it, it did. It, it stayed that way. But now it's, it's starting to bubble into something else. And all right. If it's a major roster shakeup, cool. I think people will be very interested in that. They always are, especially since like, yeah, I just think that this offense on this team was just so unpopular, so unbelievably unpopular. So yeah, that's going to work. But I think that those two things, like both things have to happen. Like, I think you want to feel like someone else is in the room. Someone else is helping make the calls on some of these trades. 
Because if you're going to be trading Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or you're going to be potentially opening up, hey, guess what? There was Boba Shett smoke last offseason too. Like there was some, hey, maybe they're going to be shopping Boba Shett smoke last year. And I would imagine that there's going to be a little bit more smoke this year too. George Springer's getting older. He's a part of the core, but man, what do you, like what is your faith in George Springer staying healthy again the way that he did this year, but also not aging out of being an elite baseball player anymore? I know that, like, I, I don't know. I don't have the full faith that he's going to be George Springer anymore. I don't, I don't have that faith when I watch George Springer at the plate anymore like I used to. He didn't step up in big spots in the series, and I went, man, this is definitely happening here. What else is the core? Kirk? It's Varsho, unfortunately, because you're so pot committed. So right now, and you, like, what do you, you can't trade him. Like, that's just actually, you cannot trade Dalton Varsho. He's going to be your center fielder next year. So at least you get a little bit more positional value. But it's like, Everyone else on the roster, I pretty much think can be changed. Like I love Danny Jansen, but at this point, it's just like the guy keeps getting hurt. Feels like you might have to have a better contingency plan there. Like what else, what else is the core? Ch- Chapman gone, belt gone, Kiermaier gone. Is Biggio part of the core? I don't think so. Biggio's kind of like a, like he's a, he's a, he's, he's a piece that you can move around. He's all right. He's fine. He's better than we thought he was, and he's not going to be as good as we had originally hoped early on in his career. But to me, it's like, yes, tipping point moment for this franchise. Third in the division, not a great farm system. Payroll, there's a real payroll here. It's hard to ask. Like, I know people are like, oh, this is where you work, but it's like, man, look at the payroll. Look at where they're at. Like, two of the teams in their division have two of the lowest payrolls in all of baseball, in the Rays and the, and the Orioles. You got to think that those two are going to go up. Some, well, not the Rays, but the Orioles will go up a little bit. Anyway, it just, we're here. We're here with this baseball team. You've had a good sample. You've been given a ton of resources. You've been given kicks at the can. And you've even taken over some of these games when it comes to your script as a group. Like, you've decided some of these outcomes, whether it was the Shoemaker poll or whether it was this poll yesterday with Barrios. Built an offense that couldn't score, despite moving fences in to be something that was supposed to be a little bit more fan-friendly, team-friendly for some of the hitters. I don't think that this is an overreaction anymore. I think that this is a build that a lot of people who love this team, a lot of people who've been watching this team all season, they're, they're, feeling, the same, they're, they're feeling the same way. I want, I want to feel happy when I go watch this baseball team. I don't want to feel so bad when I finish watching a game. I don't want to feel like an idiot for investing my time in this product and my dollars in the product. I want to feel like, yeah, those feelings matter to a certain degree and that the organization and that the team is heading in the right direction and that you feel optimistic about the moves, not fearful for what's to come. Anyways, let's quick break, close out the show, the final show at the one o'clock time slot, which still has thrown me off. Sportsnet 590, 590, the fan. All right, one last thing on the totality of the Jays since 2016. Because you always have to, you know, when we're doing the sample size, part of this is unfair because the Jays did take a step back, right? After 2016, they decided, you know what? I'm going to try to, well, 2017, I actually think they were trying to be competitive-ish with the belief that, yeah, not really. 
And they took a step back to take a step forward, and it wasn't really so much a full rebuild as it was a retool. We like to do those distinctions in sports now. They didn't do a teardown. They built on the fly. But again, a lot of that was based on, yeah, them having a what they thought was going to be a mega superstar in the, in the coffers in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Either way, um, since 2016, and this is from James and T.O., one of the best accounts. Games played against 500, teams over 500 since 2016, right? Blue Jays have played in 661 of them, and they won a 45% clip. And it's like, okay, well, like, what's the context? Because, yeah, that sounds kind of bad. It's like, oh, they're not above it. It's like, no. No, like, Yankees, 525, like, since 2016. That's the Yankees. That's who you're kind of, like, holding yourself to, right? The Rays, also better. Like, Baltimore has been much worse, obviously, 38%, because, yeah, it's the Baltimore Orioles, and they've been doing the actual complete teardown. But, yeah, just, like, over this time, the two teams that I think that you measure yourself against the most, you haven't been better than over that time frame. And you've been like really ultimately competitive since the, for the last three seasons where you were expected to kind of win that division. This was supposed to be kind of a calling card of this team. Anyway, I just, the case that I've been trying to make this entire day is that this is not a reactionary day to one bad decision with a manager. And this is not a reactionary day to one bad moment for the team's star player in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is now a culmination of a lot of seasons, a lot of data points, and a lot of big moments where they've fallen short and the fan base is pissed. And yeah, things will cool down and things will change when we go back to the Toronto Maple Leafs and we say, oh yeah, we're pissed at the Leafs. They'll take take all the, the slings and arrows for a little while. People are going to be pissed at the Raptors. <laughs> They'll be distracted. People are going to be satisfied with the Argos. Great Cup champions back-to-back this year. It's going to go down. You know that's happening. Either way, I'm just saying that I know we do these days and people get plastered and yeah, it's hot take day and everybody's an idiot, but I don't think so. I think that the, um, the call for change is fairly justified. Anyways, Leafs Talk returns next week. I just wanted to say with old Sammy and I, very excited for this year. Um, Gonna basically, yeah, you know, we're gonna be there after every single game this season, except for maybe during the Christmas break, might take a couple of days off there. But yeah, I'm very excited for the Leafs season return. But yeah, if you want, like I told you, I hate Leafs preseason stuff, but tonight, kind of got like pretty close to the full roster. But plus, Fraser Minton, who again has everybody fired up. So yeah, there's actually a Leafs preseason game that I'll watch. Low stakes, no stakes, completely different from yeah what we had. And will I watch Bears? Was it Bears Commanders? 100% I will watch it. (laughs) I can't wait. I can't wait for Bears Commanders takes tomorrow. Anyways, we'll see you tomorrow back at 9 a.m. Back at 9 a.m. All right? 9 to 11 from here on out on the J.D. Bunkus podcast. We'll see you then. Real Canadian.